All right. Well, welcome back or welcome for the first time. My name is Trevor Monroe, and we're going to reflect on uh, the Buffs trip to Oregon, uh, where they were defeated soundly, but they did put up a a respectable uh, showing on offense, at least. Uh, Then we'll get into this week's game, uh, homecoming against Oregon State University, and uh, take a look at what some of the things the Buffs need to continue to do, uh, and also some new wrinkles that we might see uh, this week. Okay, so let's look at some of the takeaways uh, from that loss to Oregon last week. And despite getting into a, a horrible deficit early, it was twenty-one nothing before you knew it. And you know, I, I, if you're anything like me, you're just really sinking and just how bad can this get? But the Buffs uh, were able to uh, turn it around, um, and I believe put in their best offensive performance of the season. And a lot of that uh, was because they they managed to address two of the biggest issues, in my opinion, uh, that are plaguing the offense. Uh, one, the quarterback time to throw. Normally, Brennan Lewis is upwards uh, of three seconds. And in this game, he was able to get below uh, three seconds to 2.9 seconds to, to release. So that was good. Um, and the offensive line. So the offensive line, I don't know if they it was responding to the the coaching change um but i couldn't really detect and nor could i you know you know major changes in the scheme uh listening to william vallejos the new offensive line coach it sounded like some of it was you know some tweaks but uh uh other things were you know just you know the psychological mental side he really uh was uh, focusing on on a lot of that and getting them prepped and motivated. So um, it was the first time all year that all five starters on the offensive line, they stuck with those five starters throughout. Um, and I think uh, the scheme, which I could, I could detect, there was some changes there for sure. Um, on the first scoring drive, we had three consecutive like quick read uh, run pass option plays. On the second drive, we had three consecutive screen plays. So uh, the the scheme was, I think, you know, Brendan Lewis benefited from a scheme that had some quick developing plays. I think that was part of, you know, his ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly. I also think he was uh, uh, getting a bit more comfortable in throwing into some coverages. We saw that with, uh, certainly saw that with Brendan Rice on a few of those uh, successful throws downfield. Uh, in general, the Buffs passed more often. Uh, 57% of their plays in total were pass plays versus normally it's about 45%. So um, so just kind of summarizing, I think because the Buffs were able to address those two you know, major problems they had, they were able to, to move the ball downfield. Uh, they didn't have a great you know, off-the-charts uh, running attack, but I would say... Uh, there were some series where each of those running backs, Fontenot, Broussard, and Lewis, uh, were very productive. Uh, so a lot of green shoots, a lot of bright spots, uh, despite the loss. And, um, you know, the third part of my theory of change is that, you know, if the offense could just get it 
things going, uh, there would be spillovers. There would be spillovers on the defensive side of the ball because they weren't you know left out in the field uh, for so long as they have been all season. However, uh, you know I didn't. My theory didn't consider that the Buffs would be missing their uh, best defensive performer, Nate Lamon, who was out for the game. Looks like he'll be out next week as well. Um, and the, the, you know, we were facing what is now the fourth best team in the, you know, highest ranked team in the nation, Oregon. So Oregon's rushing offense was, uh, was very good as was their passing and they had the best performance passing wise they had all season. Um, they were having what's called successful plays. So a successful play in statistics is, is on first down getting like five yards on second down getting, uh, at least half the uh, remaining distance you need to to get a first down and so forth. And on third downs, actually getting the the first down. So 76%, close to 80% efficiency on successful plays. So basically, you know, they were just driving down the field. C was unable to, to slow them down except for one drive. Uh, so we were overmatched. Oregon obviously has a lot of talent and they're, they're healthy and they're starting to click. And we just did not have a response. I personally felt it, a lot of it was due to uh, Nate Lamon not being in there. Our linebackers just did not have the instincts that Nate does. Our safeties as well, but we were overrunning plays. We're out of position. We're guessing wrong. Uh, just a lot of things, I think, led to some pretty uh, wide open running lanes uh, that normally would not have been there had Nate been in. Um, but it was a it was a, a promising performance. I I will take it. Uh, and if we continue to play like that uh, in the remaining games, I think we will uh, be successful more often than not. Okay, let's look at OSU next week's opponent. Okay, let's turn our attention to the Oregon State Beavers, who come to town this week as a ten point favorite. And it has been a while since OSU has been favored by that much on the road. They're having a great season. Uh, this is the fourth year under their head coach, Jonathan Smith, and he has really been impressive uh, with what he has done to install a very, uh, I think, elegant offense. He's got uh, a great schemes up front. Um, they use the tight end, uh, sometimes two or three tight ends in the field, really effectively in, in blocking schemes. Uh, so um, they were upset last week against Cal, but looking at some of the numbers, they are uh, they returned five starters on the offensive line, and uh, that offensive line powers a rushing attack that ranks fourth nationally in yards per rush. So no matter who they have back there, uh, they are effective. Uh, B.J. Baylor is the running back that leads the Pac-12 in average yards per carry, but uh, they have a couple other backs that they will also uh, mix into the fold. Um, one thing that OSU is very suspect on, they have trouble getting off the field on third down. In that uh, statistic or metric, they rank fourth worst in the nation. So this should be really interesting because that is really uh, CU's biggest weakness as well. I can't remember exactly, but I think only 20% uh, of our third down plays are, you know, convert for first down. So we are also very poor on all offensively. So 
uh, we'll see. It could be a war of attrition, but something. Uh, hopefully, this works in the, in the Buffs' favor, where we take advantage of uh, OSU's inability to get off the field on third down. Uh, Chris Nolan is a dual threat. Uh, Oregon State runs a lot of RPO, run pass option, and uh, you know the defense is you know it. Nothing really stands out to me other than Avery Roberts is the the leading Pac-12 tackler. Um, if you look at the numbers, I won't I won't go into all the numbers that I put into the show notes, but uh, I will just point out a few uh, to give you a sense of how OSU stacks up uh, by some of these power rankings. So the FBS power rank uh, puts OSU as the fifty four among 130 FBS teams, whereas CU is at 100. So uh, OSU is well ahead in almost every offensive and and defensive category. Um, OSU has the strongest rated offense in the Pac-12. They are very impressive in their yards per play, actually. And yards per play is a very good protector of success. So their FBS rank is an, is 11th in the country in yards per play on offense. Uh, CU obviously checks in well below that. They're 86. Um, I, on the flip side of that statistic, you know the yards per play allowed by defense, uh, CU does have a slight edge. I think they're 74, whereas OSU is 78. So it's pretty close. But that obviously... Uh, a lot of those stats were racked up over the course of the season where Nate Lamman was in the, the lineup. So um, so we're probably, that that edge is negated, unfortunately, without Nate Lamman in there. Um, the, the points per drive and, as I mentioned, yards per rush, OSU is also uh, top 20 nationally. So they're 18th in points per drive. CU is almost at the bottom, 127. Uh, yards per rush, uh, Oregon State, fourth in the nation, CU at 85. So um, so I think I'll, I'll just mention a few more here. Uh, on pass blocking, uh, OSU is actually uh, slightly, um, you know, they're not that great. That's probably their weakest measurement according to pro football focus. They, they're just barely average in pass blocking. Um, let's see. The... Yards per pass allowed. Uh, CU also has a actually a considerable edge there, uh, which I guess makes sense. CU's corners are, are, are the strength of the def- one of the strengths of the defense. Um, CU also is a bit performs a bit better in tackling. Um, so I, th- I think there are some opportunities here. Uh, we'll get into those in the keys of the game later, but. Uh, you know, Defensive side of the ball, OSU has weaknesses getting off the field on third down. They they um, they don't do such a good job defensively uh, on the pass, and they they also don't perform very well in ta- in the tackling category. So they miss a lot of tackles. And of course, uh, one one area where CU has a clear advantage, and actually is um, the highest rated special teams ranking according to professional football focus in the Pac-12. So CU ranks 90 uh, there. So that's that's one of those things where it's actually it's not a ranking, it's a rating. So they're very, they're rated very high there. And most of it's due to our punt game and Jerry Rice. So 
that will do it with for what I know about uh, Oregon State University. Um, you know, it's a home game. It's a homecoming game for CU. I think um, I think they they just need to get off to a faster start. They need to you know hopefully to- tire out that Oregon State uh, defense, and Oregon State will have to travel. Uh, you know, for this one a, a, a little bit. So uh, it will be a good day uh, in the sun. I'll be there. I'll be looking forward to it. And let's get into a few of the things that CU needs to do uh, to make it a game next. So for CU to hang in this game uh, and have a chance to win it, I think we uh, we definitely need to continue the two things we did pretty well last week against Oregon, and that is pass protection, one, and then quick developing plays that allow uh, Brennan Lewis to uh, get the ball out of his hands in a hurry. Uh, so those two things are, are super important. Um, we will face the toughest running game uh, that we faced all season. This is a formidable running game. <laughs> and last week, I think, you know, we had our linebacking core, Barnes, Lamb, uh, Marvin Ham, uh, I think getting most of the, the reps inside. We'll see. I, I might, I might expect them to do something a little bit different given that, uh, you know, last week there was such uh, stress on the outside linebackers and inside linebackers to cover the tight end and kind of contain the, the uh, the quarterback, and now that I say that out loud, it's going to be a lot of the same uh, um, challenges this week. Uh, but OSU will run the ball more, so it could be that we see uh, maybe Jonathan Van Dyst or someone else on the inside game. We'll see, but one way or another, uh, maybe it's an extra defensive lineman or. or some schemes up front, but they need to slow down that, that OSU running game. Uh, we need to continue those big plays on special teams. I think, you know, in Boulder, unfortunately, they probably won't get, uh, like Jerry, uh, Brennan Rice won't get as many um, opportunities to return kicks because they're going to kick it in the end zone. Uh, but who knows, maybe we put him uh, back as the punt returner. I think Dimitri Stanley is still out. But uh, big plays on special teams if we're going to win this one. Um, and more big plays, you know, just CU uh, is starting to take shots downfield. Uh, they took some successfully uh, last week. I think we, if we do get those single coverage, it should be almost uh, automatic with, with Rice uh, to, to get the ball downfield or take a shot with Arias or some of these uh, big play wide receivers, and hopefully we hit a few, um, especially if we can tire out the uh, you know, the Oregon defense, and it will be at altitude, so let's take advantage of that. Um, and other things that we really need to do, and we did a pretty good job last week, those, those screen plays to get our playmakers in space, especially that screen to rise, love to see more of that. Um, LaVisca Chenault does return this week. Uh, I'd like to see... Uh, you know, some plays that maybe get him, him going, but those, those screen passes, those jet, those jet sweeps, um, those things that get the, the wide receivers and our playmakers, the ball in space are going to be important and hopefully also lead to more explosive plays. And finally, uh, the third down conversion rate, as I mentioned before, 
that is OSU's weakness, and that is also our off- offensively our weakness. So uh, hopefully we win that battle and we convert on third down and we start to sustain those drives and tire uh, OSU out uh, heading into the, you know, uh, the fourth quarter and hopefully it's a close game and we can uh, make a big play, get some turnovers and, uh, and win the game. Okay. I'll close with some parting thoughts. Uh, and I want to talk about the Oregon state, uh, program and how impressed I am with Jonathan Smith and his staff. He's developed a, a stable staff. He's been there now in his fourth year and things are starting to pay dividends. And I really do think, uh, it is a lesson for the buffs, uh, fan base and, and particularly the leadership to trust the process, uh, with our own staff that things are going to take some time. Uh, but if you do things the right way, that, uh, that good results will come. And I, and I very much believe that we have the right staff in Boulder. Um, we will make some small changes here and there in the off season, but I, I think they know how to get it done. Um, on another note, it's going to be a great day in Boulder. Uh, I'm going to be there uh, with some, uh, some of my boys. I'm really looking forward to spending the afternoon in, in Folsom. And there are a lot of prospects from the 22 class and the 23 uh, class that will be there. Uh, a couple of them in particular that I might call out. So Cole Martin, he's the son of Coach Meat. He's like a four-star, five-star uh, defensive back. His um, his friend Larry Turner Gordon is a four-star athlete, uh, and uh, Braden Dorman, uh, quarterback, uh, four-star quarterback from Colorado Springs, will be among those on the sideline. So I'll keep my eyes peeled for them, and hopefully uh, it's a great day, and they just soak in the atmosphere, and it uh, changes their hearts and minds to 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 come to Boulder one of these days. Um, it will be the homecoming game for CU, and uh, it will be the return of former buff Sam Neuer. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets in the game, and if he does, uh, what kind of reception he will get. I will certainly uh, cheer Sam on. Uh, he's a great buff. You know, he switched over uh, to the defensive side. He went into the portal. He came back and had a great year last year. And there were some times this year, and there probably will be some times again, where I really just, um, you know, get super depressed that Sam left the team. He left us in a, in a tricky spot, but nevertheless, uh, looking forward to seeing Sam, and I hope things work out for him in the end at Oregon State. All right, that's it for me. Uh, you can... Uh, find links to follow me on Twitter or to sign up for my newsletter which contains uh, these notes Uh, and uh, until next week uh, stay safe and go Buffs